2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall
3: guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG 13. On this episode of Missing the Point, we're joined by the co host of the Section 10 podcast, Steve
2: Peralt. We'll talk with Steve about the 2021 Boston Red Sox. The just been seated to make sure this team remains a contender, why Xander Bogaerts doesn't get the respect he deserves around Major League Baseball, who the Red Sox should take with the number four pick in this year's draft, and some of his favorite stories from Red Sox yesteryear. This is Missing the Point, Episode 59, but it's all relative.
3: Welcome into Missing the Point. My name's Joe Malkin. I'm here with the real BK Bob Kelly, Ray Sean Buchanan, Craig D'Alessandro, REP, And joining us on this episode of MTP, we have the host and producer of the Section 10 podcast presented by Barstool Sports with Jared Karabas and Coley Mick. He's a senior programmer for the Bleacher Report app for the last five and a half years. That's a long time to work for Bleacher Report. And he's the host of the live BP show on WEI every Saturday with Rob Bradford from 4 to 6 p.m. Formerly, he worked for ESPN New Hampshire, Nesson, and Comcast Sportsnet, a graduate of Endicott College in Beverly, Massachusetts. Steve Peralt. Steve, how are you?
2: I am swell. That was an incredible intro. I don't think you could have a better... I also was great at wiffle ball. if we want to throw <laughs> that in there. I don't know if that was on my resume or not, but no, that was great. I'm happy to be
3: here. Let's do this. I've been looking for a wiffle ball league. I keep finding all these wiffle ball leagues around on TikTok. So if you know one in the Boston area, I know you're a North Shore guy, so that's a little far away from the Worcester area.
2: I know. I went to college in the North Shore, but I live in the South Shore now. I'm in Hingham for the time being. But no, I mean, it's tough. Like, I I see it's one of the things I'm most jealous about, if I'm being honest. When I see Wolf of leagues, I'm like, I wish I had the time To do that. And like also like these, and I was going to say the time and the funds, I'm telling you, some of these leagues are pricey as hell just to play wiffle ball. I was like, I didn't know it was going to be like this, but yeah, I would love to get back into it. I used to play wiffle ball all the time in high school. So I don't know. Maybe one of these days.
1: I was actually in one of those leagues. And I don't know if you guys know this, but like when you get to like a league that knows what they're doing, these kids are no joke throwing that ball. Like some of the sliders and fastballs they're throwing at you, like you, you don't even see them coming half the time. It's unbelievable.
2: It kind of takes away the fun, doesn't it? The best part of Wiffle ball was that we all agreed we're not going to be gunning them in there. Like, at least you can have a little zip on it, throw your curve, whatever. We're trying to have fun. I see some of these leagues, to your point, 100 miles an hour from like 20 feet away. I'm not <laughs> trying to do that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, arguably we wouldn't have had Jason Veritek if it wasn't for wiffle ball, because that's how he learned how to hit a uh, switch hit was playing Wiffle ball with his brothers as a kid. So, Hey, we may not have had him catch four, uh, four, no hitters for the Boston Red Sox, you know, most all time for any catcher in the major And still,
2: league. still plays a big role with the team now. And he, he got, does uh, him and Ploiecki, I believe got the cart thing going in the dugout. So hey, there you go.
3: <laughs> always love seeing those giant binders that he had on every single hitter in the AL and probably the NL too guy was a he's a mastermind he knows how to read hitters better than anybody but hey so actually you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with this question because I we're gonna get into the Red Sox here but speaking of catchers Steve who the hell knew that Christian Vasquez could hit Yeah, honestly, I I think, uh, what was it,
2: 2017, I believe he had the second highest home batting average in baseball next to Adrian Beltre. So he's shown in the past that he can do this. He obviously started very hot this season. Then he cooled off a little bit. I like how he initially was saying he felt very sexy at the plate. (laughs) And then immediately when he hit the slump, he's like, I feel less sexy. I'm not as sexy right now. So basically, I kind of want every player to describe how they're feeling at the plate as sexy or not sexy. And that's it. That's the only analysis we need to get in those postgame press conferences. But now, I love Christian Vasquez. Ideally, he's here for longer. Uh, I know his contract's coming up. And he's a guy that the pitchers trust that the team loves, and he's an energy guy, too. I feel like we we talk about the Red Sox a lot, obviously, on Section 10, and the lack of energy heading into this season, at least. They didn't have a lot of characters, a lot of personality. Christian Vasquez doesn't get enough credit for that. Like, I feel like yeah. he's one of the core guys, not just because he's been to here, what, second longest next to Xander, but he's somebody that they actually look to bring the energy every night and bring the passion. He does it on social media, too. He's pretty underrated. Uh, we don't really talk about Vasquez that much, but, like, if he wasn't here, we'd say that we want a guy like that.
3: Right. Absolutely. And and you look at the energy that you just mentioned and Christian Vasquez being one of those guys, but having Alex Cora back after a, an abysmal 2020 season with Ron Renneke, who I thought was going to be much better, but I think that went that issue went a lot deeper than Ron Renneke, but it's nice to have Alex Cora back because I think he's bringing that out of not only every player on the team, but more so the Hispanic players on the team. And it it, kind of shows.
2: No, that's a huge aspect of it. Absolutely. You, you can tell that these guys love playing for him. I think that's something that I've noticed. 18, 19, obviously, we don't talk about 2019 as much. That so was <laughs> a forgettable year. But you can just tell that these guys feel very comfortable around him. Even last night when Moreland comes back, it's it's all a body language thing, right? When these guys are around Cora, they seem like it's one of their guys. It's not To your point with Ron Renneke, it's like your grandfather's the coach of the team. <laughs> like it, it felt like they were... They had nothing in common with Ron Renneke, especially if you get to the younger guys like Devers, even, you know, still with Bogarts. I was like, what are those conversations like with those guys? But (laughs) no, Core is a huge part of this team, obviously. I think we always try to gauge... The impact the manager has. And I don't know if we really know. We can always act like, oh, because he's here, they're going to play better. And oh, 2013 wasn't feral. It was the Boston strong. We don't really know. We don't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors. But one thing that we do know from hearing the players is that they love playing for him. And that's something that you can't really you can't really swap that out, especially over the course of 162. You want a guy that you actually want to go win for. And Core is that guy.
3: Yeah, the suspension of Cora came at the absolute perfect time during a COVID shortened season. And that definitely helped on the comeback trail as well. So speaking of the leadership and, and this team playing as as well as they are, and you know, guys seem seemingly having more fun. The Red Sox is sitting number one in the power rankings. Do you believe they're the best team in baseball right now? Yeah, I had this
2: conversation with Rob Bradford uh, on the Live BP show on EEI, and and we basically brought up, because he keeps bringing it, I think Rob keeps bringing the question up because he wants me just to address it. He's like, <laughs> are they the best to, Like, answer this question? Because deep down, I don't think any of us really believe they're the best roster in baseball. I think that would be a little bit insane. I mean, the starting rotation, for the most part, has done their job. They're not going deep into games, which sucks. But the, And, you know, that exposes their biggest weakness, the bullpen, especially getting to Matt Barnes is a problem right now. It's been a problem all season long, and it's going to continue to be a problem. So when that's the case, it's hard for me to sit here and say they're the best team in baseball. If they had more bullpen arms I relied on and that core relied on, then maybe, but the Dodgers are inevitably going to come back into the you know top of the, the standings overall in baseball. Cody Bellinger's coming back. Losing Dustin May is big. That hurts them a lot. Mookie Betts is obviously going to turn it on. I fully expect that. I mean, that lineup's loaded. That's a, a powerhouse American League lineup in the National League. And there's no way, especially with their rotation, even losing May, that they're going to be a team that's you know not second or third best in Major League Baseball when it's all said and done. So Red Sox right now are the best. I just don't think long-term. I'd be stunned. I'd be genuinely stunned if they, at the end of the year, had the best record in baseball.
3: You bring up the Dodgers, who have arguably the best rotation in baseball. And they they not only that, they have some of the best prospects, pitching prospects in baseball. So how come Chaim Bloom didn't get an arm from L.A. this offseason. Like, he just he should have. Right? Exactly. Like, why, but we why never know. That- we
2: never know what's going on with these deals, though. I mean, why didn't Heimblum get every free agent in the market? This guy sucks. Like, I, I feel like <laughs> we never really know, you know, what the dealings are, what teams want them to give up. Obviously, the Red Sox don't have the luxury of, hey, we'll give you – these prospects for that guy, we don't have those prospects. I mean, yes, he's building up the farm system, so to speak, but you look at watching the Woo Sox and even Tristan Cass had a bomb tonight. There's not a ton of guys in the farm that are realistically going to make an impact very soon. Jaron Duran's obviously the big name. Tanner Houck, it sucks that he had a setback, but realistically, there's not a lot of guys that I think are going to come up and make a huge impact in the near future outside of Duran and and who knows with Houck. So it's hard to it's hard to really gauge like what Haim should or shouldn't have done, but at least now, you know, you need more guys in the bullpen. This bullpen's not going to do anything significant. Once you get to September, October, Uh, I was about to say November, who knows how long the season goes, but you just don't know. You don't know, you know, how how this team is going to get to that point with this bullpen. He knows it's not going to, that's not going to work. So obviously they're going to have to get more guys and that's, what's going to matter, you know, moving forward here
0: with that, right? Because I think it's uh your your Instagram page that I shared earlier. But do you believe that Craig Kimbrell is someone that could come back? Like I I don't I I hope not, honestly. But I mean, <laughs> I just like I, my my heart. You, know, you see, I'm a big you can't tell, but I'm a big guy, Steve. Like I, I can't, my heart cannot take uh <laughs> Craig Kimbrell coming.
1: back. We don't back. need no, Mister Heart I Attack back here, man. We I, I don't need do
0: it. it. <laughs> I can't do it.
2: <laughs> I know the second. So Jared had mentioned that on section ten, and I was like, a lot of people are not gonna like this, but no, he. I mean, Kimbrell's been dealing. I think he's only given up, he gave up one hit in April. Last time I checked, that's really good. And he gave up a bomb. I think that's about it. He has like a 08 ERA. So obviously, I think from his perspective and the Cubs' perspective, I think they're going to want to part ways because I don't see the Cubs long-term competing this year. They have a lot of contracts they're going to try to dump. Kimbrell would be one of them. They overpaid for him as is. I mean, he didn't have a lot of competition. All of a sudden, Theo was like, let's pay this man the bag. Like, I don't know why they did that. They probably could have got him for cheaper, but... I don't know. I don't really see Haim making that move and bringing on that salary when you could probably get guys that are similarly effective for way
1: cheaper. I was just going to say, it, does Barnes struggle? Like Barnes not struggling enough for you to give up that much to go get him. Right. Like it wouldn't be that much of an upgrade from Barnes to Kimbrough, the way they're pitching at the moment. I mean, Barnes has been pretty good so far this year. In he's that been really good.
2: I mean, you could make the argument Barnes is the best closer in baseball, which is insane. I mean, right, I right. was always <laughs> words. I never thought. Yeah, I know yeah, I'm, I've always been ripping Maddie backpacks and all of a sudden it's like, now he's the best closer in baseball and I can't really say anything about it. Like I know Chapman's been really good. You go down the line. There's other guys that are performing well, but he knows it too, which is good. Like, I'm glad that he's carrying himself. Like I'm the guy. Cause Like there's a there's such a difference between being the closer, like because you were placed in that role and actually being a closer. And Barnes is proving that he's a closer, which is blowing my mind. I always thought it was just going to be that he was named the guy. But you never felt good when he came out of there and uh, out of the bullpen in save situations. But yeah, he has a zero ERA when in save situations. So you can't really get much better than that. And to that point, too, why would the Red Sox go out of their way to give up pieces they probably don't think they need to give up? For a closer, when they have a closer. Now, if you right. really want to go all in and say Kimbrel's your eighth inning guy, because right now Ottavino cannot be the eighth inning guy. My God, he's an absolute mess. He walks guys all over the place. Same with Darwinzen. Darwinsen can't find the plate. So maybe if they wanted to go like all in, all in, and have. Kimball as the eighth inning guy. How bizarre would that be, by the way, that your former closer comes back as the eighth inning guy when he has an 07 ERA. But hey, I don't see it happening, helps. but yeah, <laughs> I know I was going to say, whatever gets the job done, they're going to have to add pieces of the bullpen. I just don't think it's going to be Kimbrel.
1: Your former world series winning closer too. I know. <laughs> I know. Even though that
2: let you know, my God, that postseason and like everybody that Yankees knows game.
1: It. The Yankees game was the one that was the scariest game of my entire life. That, that was up there, man.
2: <laughs> I snuck into Yankee Stadium for that. I should have just got tickets, but like I was <laughs> hanging with my buddies and I was like, all right, the Red Sox are about to. To beat the Yankees in the playoffs, I have to go to this. I was, like, 20 minutes away. I'm like, let's do it. over to Yankee Stadium. Get in there. And I'm just peeing my pants. This guy is just the worst. Like, he's given up. Gary Sanchez almost had a home run. That thing barely, barely missed going out. I think, I don't know if it was judged. Somebody else went to the warning track. I was like, end this game. And then the ending was was crap
1: it was Giancarlo that gave them that game I don't know if you remember but Kimbrel couldn't find the plate and Giancarlo swung at two sliders that weren't even close and yeah. it's like if I was his head coach I'd be sitting there in a the dugout like bro that bat's not leaving your shoulder like I don't yeah. care who you are.
3: I, I don't think Boone had the balls to tell him that well yeah I know
1: but- no it, it was the Bregman game it was game four
0: against Houston that year. That's the game that got me Oh, my God. And I Benny
3: was like, Bregman, yeah, Bre- yeah, Bregman
0: was up. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, please. Like, I, I, I just knew that Bregman was going to hit a grand slam and I was going to be yelling F-bombers in my house for the rest of the night. <laughs> it
2: was a guarantee that he was going to make good contact. There was no way Bregman was, like, striking out there. And Bregman did himself no favors, by the way. Post He had that IG video or the IG story, whatever, that he posted when they went back to Houston of him, like, rocking Evaldi or whoever it was. Yeah, I, and they obviously saw – the Sox saw that, and that's all you needed to to see in the, the series ends in Houston. But, yeah, that Benny catch was incredible, and now I wish Benny was still here.
3: Did you say you snuck into Yankee Stadium?
2: Yeah, it was a hell of a process. It was a hell of a process. I – and I, I just like – I like the sound of it too. It was like I snuck in to see the Red Sox beat the Yankees in the playoffs. It sounded cool, but
1: no. It's even I, more it's, of a middle finger. You know, it's like a I know, seriously. Bucky, the Yankees. Yeah. So, yeah, and I was all <laughs> undercover. I didn't have sock
2: stuff on or anything, so it looked like I could have been like, you know, on the staff or something there at Yankee Stadium. But no, it was – because like basically – It was incredible, right? Because so many people are leaving dejected Yankee fans because the Red Sox are about to knock them out of the playoffs. And so naturally they have the gates open, but they still have security people that are kind of like, you know, they're in the mode of like, we're three outs away from my... I can go home and not have to worry about this stupid team anymore because they have to work all year, obviously. And so I just kind of slipped, you know, slid in, found my way in. The first try was a failure. I bumped into this kid that couldn't be any older than four years old and his dad was ready to kill me. He was just like, you want to go, buddy? You want to go? I'm like, sir, there is no way I want to fight. That's literally the last thing I want to do. I'm trying to get in to see my team win this series. There's no way I also I didn't fight run you.
3: over your four-year-old on purpose. <laughs> I know.
2: It's because they had a flood of people coming out and all of a sudden I'm like, I was trying to be sneaky and then I went right into this kid, but no, you know, find a way to get in there, and then the Kimbrel inning happened, and it was the ending of that game was so weird, right? Because they have the ground out to to uh, what's his face Nunez, he falls over when he throws it, and like they barely got him out. They had to check the replay, but whatever, they got out of Yankee Stadium with the win. That's all that
3: matters. And you got into Yankee Stadium to see the win, so that's perfect. Exactly, exactly. Wow. It's a win-win. So we talk about the bullpen this year's bullpen, and on on section ten, episode three ninety-one that came out on Tuesday, you guys mentioned Danny Santana. Chris Sale, who's throwing off a mound now, are those do you think Chris Sale comes back and is effective in 2021?
2: My gut says no. And I've thought that since the season started. The thing that I hate are the updates where it's like he's throwing from 60 feet. He's throwing from I don't care. Let me know when he's actually going to pitch real games for the Red Sox or might be on the path to it being, let's say, two to three weeks away. Until right. that happens, I really don't care. And it's the same with Brazier, too. You're pitching off a mound, you know, the the simulated batters when it kind of literally just stands there, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, that really gets you ready for the big leagues if you're just facing <laughs> mannequins. Uh, so, I don't know. Hey, Let me Vaughan know.
1: couldn't do it. Oh, you took the words
2: right out of my mouth. Yeah, right out of my <laughs> mouth. That is true. Hey, that is true. But, like, seriously. you figured I, it he, out. You figured it out. And I'm hoping that Sale actually comes back and contributes. Now, if the Red Sox, you know, keep this pace up. And, you know, they're ready to win the AL East and potentially compete in American League playoffs for a spot in the World Series. Then, yes, I would assume they would make sure that Chris Sale is a part of it. But as of now, I anything I've heard and I'll talk to some of the reporters and people that actually know what's going on. And I'm hearing that it's nothing before August 1st. So like it wouldn't people are saying, oh, it might be it's not July. It, It might happen in August. My gut tells me September. So we'll see what actually goes down.
3: And staying on the bullpen and, and the starting rotation, if you had to personally drive one pitcher to the airport and put him on a plane, who would it be? And why is it Austin Bryce?
2: <laughs> I was going to say, I hope
3: you close with Bryce. <laughs>
2: like, please wrap this with Austin Bryce. My God, is he trash? He's I know Josh awful. Taylor, Taylor's given him a run for his money. Josh Taylor comes in there and he's got the shoulders slumping. He's just hanging his head. And it's like, dude, you can't suck and also have the worst body language on the planet. Like at least come in and make me think you're going to have a good outing. Like that's, that's what sucks.
3: Especially when you're on a good baseball team, like the best team in the league. It's like, yeah. what are we doing?
1: The only pitcher I've ever seen that had just as bad body language. And my dad told me about him growing up. And I watched all these videos, Bob Stanley, Bob Stanley for the, for back in the day, the yeah. same type thing where it was just like, as soon as he walked out on the mound, you're like, dude, this, he's about to fuck this up. I I know, I know what's about to happen. And there's no doubt.
3: We've watched enough baseball in our lives. We know when pitchers are about to just absolutely blow. They give you the signs, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you can
2: tell before it happens that it's about to be a nightmare. You don't need the bases to be loaded. It could be nobody on. And you're like, this is about to be awful. Josh Taylor, the other day, I think he faced four batters. He was behind in the count on all of them, walked two of them, and luckily got a double play in a strikeout. And, he's terrible he's obviously not built for this level and that's with it being a subpar bullpen so he's really showing himself amongst a non-impressive bullpen he's showing that he's even worse than a subpar bullpen so i would say it's austin bryce but josh taylor's really close to austin bryce
3: what's good about the at least the starting rotation especially i look at like garrett richards who kind of figured it out in his last start uh these guys have all Been able to put in quality starts recently. You know they're going six seven innings, which is great because they, if the offense is on like they have been, the at least the bullpen then doesn't have to do much before we get to Matt Barnes, who is clearly the the best pitcher in the bullpen for the Boston Red Sox right now. We're still only in May, but if you're sitting in the GM seat, where are you looking to improve this team going forward? If there is an area to improve, I I mean we know the bullpen is, but what area would you improve?
2: I think Haim is targeting the bullpen. I'd be stunned if he's not trying to add pieces that could realistically put them in a a solid position to get to Barnes, because I I know the rotation has been good. I think recently there's times where we go off like a five or six start span and we're like, rotation's been really good. I'm like, it's been good. It's been good. These guys, we don't expect them to do a ton and they go. I think it was the most starter innings in baseball, which is kind of stunning. It's because none of them really get crushed early. They're sure. not. We haven't had a couple of any starts where the guy only you know gets taken out like what's his face, Lucas Giolito on Patriots Day. He went like whatever. He got three outs. So they haven't had a start yet where somebody gets absolutely destroyed in the first couple of innings. Martin Perez. I know we talk about Perez day all the time. I'm going to need Martin to go a little deeper in the games. He hasn't gone through six yet. So yeah, Richards has figured it out to to a certain degree, at least as much as I think he's going to figure it out. And to that point, I just think they're going to need guys, you know, they're going to need more bullpen arms. They're going to need to get to to Matt Barnes and have Alex Corp be comfortable with the guys he's bringing in. Because you see in the postgame presser, he'll go out of his way to be like, oh, sorry, like anytime time reliever has a decent outing. He'd be like, he was really good tonight because he's <laughs> trying to get their confidence up, which I don't even blame him for. It's like these guys have to have very low confidence considering everyone's talking about them right now is the weak point of the team, which they are. So it's gotta be the bullpen if you're high. And then hopefully Tanner is healthy, man. Cause like, if that's a serious issue and he, even when he comes back, if he's getting rocked in Worcester, like that's trouble. Cause you don't have a lot of depth of the rotation.
1: Would you think even more it's the bullpen too, because I mean, in my opinion, the Red Sox in their starting rotation, they have a bunch of solid threes. They have a bunch of yeah. middle of the rotation guys that, that, you know, you know what you're going to get five to six, two runs every single time. But like you said, there's no bridge. There, there yeah. absolutely isn't. And what blows my mind, I don't know if maybe you think it's a pitching coach problem, is every issue, it seems, is control. Whenever the Red Sox lose their way when they're on the mound, it's because they're walking two, three guys in an inning. So what, what do you think is contributing to that? It's my god, Ottavino. I don't know
2: what it was recently. I had checked out like how many times he lets the first guy get on base, and I think it was like eight out of 12 appearance. Like it was terrible, and he did it again. And so, it's like you can't be the eighth inning guy and essentially start the inning like it's almost like extra inning rules. Like, all right, you're going to have a guy on first base because I'm either going to hit him or I'm going to walk him. And now he's always trying to hold, what, like a one or two run lead. You don't see Ottavino in blowouts. So obviously Cora wants to use him in tight situations. And you just can't trust him if he's going to keep putting guys on. So Darwinson was, oof, that was rough to watch. I And you could tell too, he's doing the, this is one of my least favorite things that pitchers do when they like give you the ump, like the extra five second look when it's like, dude, that was half a foot off the plate. That was not a strike. This is you. You're the reason why guys are being walked. It's not because you're getting squeezed. So he has to figure that out. Core has also got to, tell him to stop doing that because he's done it way too often and he has the least control of anybody on the staff or in the bullpen so yeah the bullpen's a problem and hopefully they address it because this bullpen is not going to do it
0: yeah I I mean the the last part on that for me see I don't know to me I I look at Murray and I feel like to me I feel like he's the guy that should be that guy that can be that eighth inning guy. To me, I look at his stuff and I think that man, like he reminds me a little bit of Koji, but what, what he throws, he throws harder. I mean, obviously wearing the same number as well, so I do think he's someone that could be really good later on. Because I don't remember Koji being great all year, but I, I just remember him being dominant. Koji. Yeah, <laughs> same here. You know, <laughs> I just remember him getting there, and I'm like, man. By the time we got to the playoffs, he was lights out. So
2: uh, and, and Koji be, could pitch yeah. so much. Koji yeah. was he yeah. did not wear down. He had a rubber arm. So we'll yeah, see if facts. Sawamura wears down the splitter is filthy he can touch 97 which is awesome obviously throws harder than Koji does Koji was like 50 years old when he was the Red Sox closer but (laughs) no he I know it was insane I looked at his baseball reference I'm like he was 39
1: his his (laughs) whip his whip that year was like unspeakable I think it was like 0.4 or something like he was unbelievable
2: and especially considering he was the third he was the third option for closer that year but yeah I think Sawamura if you were to ask Cora. Who's the guy, realistically, that you trust the most in the bullpen that's not Matt Barnes? He would probably say that it's it's Sawamura. I mean, yeah. I don't count Whitlock because he's in his own little – like I, the Whitlock situation is very interesting because every three or four days is kind of killing me when you have this weapon. Yes. He had a couple bumps in the road there, but for the most part, he's been incredible this year. It's funny though. When I talk about the bullpen, I don't even count Garrett Whitlock. Cause he's in his own little, like, he's not a starter. He's not really a bullpen. He's like a bullpen starter.
3: And you also can't do anything with him because he's a rule five guy. So if they send him down because he's had a bad, a few bad days, he just goes back to New York. So you got to keep him up here and just let him work through it. You are kind of cornered. And even to that point, that's, you know, would lend
2: itself to why core is spreading him out more. You want to make sure you're not risking injury and overusing him, but it's still tough. I mean, he has a one, five, six ERA and... He's so reliable. The changeup is incredible. And he looks like he's going to throw gas every time. That's the thing. Like he has a great changeup, but he also has a great changeup in terms of his body language. Like it looks Mm -hmm. like he's about to hum it at you. And then that thing dies making guys look, he probably makes batters look as silly as anybody on the Red Sox, which is saying a lot considering he's a rule five guy, but yeah, outside of Whitlock, I think it's Sawamura is the guy that Cora would trust the most. That's not Matt Barnes. And he also just doesn't seem like rattled by the moment. He goes out there. He's like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, I've, right. well, I've pitched which, which for a you, while. Yeah,
0: that, that's what you need. You need that's that. what you need. So, yes,
2: especially that. in the eighth inning. Ottavino's out there. I'm looking at him. I'm like, I
0: don't think he's going <laughs> to
1: get the job done here.
2: Yankees were like, yeah, you want him?
1: Yeah, you can take yeah. him. You can yeah, take him.
2: Is, <laughs> he is your problem. It's like, oh, he's a Northeastern guy. Who cares? Like, yeah, I like,
1: think like, he'd be good in the eighth inning for you guys. It, yeah.
0: did, it, did, it did backfire at first. He was, he was pitching well at first, and I was like, wow, like I can't believe – they just gave him to, them, but it, it let it let me know that New York that they were going to be this good. And then obviously yeah. now we started refer back to what he was towards you know the end of his time in New York. But like early on, I was like okay, like maybe we might have something here with him. But you know, hopefully he he gets back to that to what he was at the beginning of the year, uh, going forward.
2: Yeah, between the slider, between his slider and Whitlock's changeup, I think those are the two best pitches the Red Sox have. That slider, if he can spot that slider, it looks like it's going to hit you, and then it's a strike. But he can't. That's the thing. He'll occasionally spot it, but then you know, half the time, it's never even a strike. It's way out of the zone. It's in the dirt. Vasquez looking at him like, "What are we doing here?" So I just, yeah, I wish, and I. Feel like a clown because before the season started, I kept saying, like, Ottavino should be the closer. Ottavino should be the closer. And it's like, no, he definitely shouldn't, considering what we've seen so far. So, yeah, the bullpen continues to be an issue. Hopefully, it isn't tonight, but who knows? I mean, it's if you ask Corey, he would say the bullpen's going to be a problem basically every night and he's going to have to figure it out.
3: Hey, well, you know, they, we talk about being a Northeastern guy. I mean, I don't even know if everyone around here, I mean, obviously the five of us know that they have a baseball program, but it's not like saying he's a Vandy guy, which uh, I have <laughs> yeah. uh, three, three. Quick topics for you. One, I'm going to start with the the worst one. Franchi Cordero, how do we get him out of Boston?
1: Oh, my God. Franchi. <laughs> it's unbelievable, <laughs> man. It's he's so not to take your win, but I, I, I made know. this comparison earlier. He is a worse Willie Mopena, and that is possibly the worst person that you could be the worst person of. I'm telling you, when the season started,
2: everyone did the Willie Mo Pena thing And, yeah, I wish it was William (laughs) (laughs) O'Brien. Like, I'd be pumped if he actually hit bombs. Like, that's the thing that sucks. If you told me that Franchi was going to come in, uh, and whatever his career average was, it was probably in, like, the 240s or 230s. If you told me he was going to hit, like, 225, blast bombs all season, and play a decent left, I'd be like, okay, that's fine because Benny's no guarantee. I still think Benny has, he's got the revenge summer coming up here. And I think he's really going to be a huge part of the Royals team. That's fading fast right now, but yeah, Franchi's just been a mess, man. His body language is terrible. You expect him to strike out every time he's up there. The amount of people in my mentions when he had that three for five game, like that meant anything. Like, yeah. oh, you? I bet you wish you uh, didn't say that negative stuff about Franchi. It's like, no, I don't. I don't <laughs> I don't take that back at all. He sucks. He's won for his last 52, I
1: think. Unbelievable.
2: He's won for his last 52 if you take the, the Kike game out and a game that he didn't even think he was going to play in, which to Lou Merloni's point, he had mentioned on the radio, I fully agree with them that like, if you're in this kind of a slump, this is a monumental slump, by the way, I don't yeah. like if, if the miners started when the major league season started, obviously he would still not be getting at bats right now. But if you take, if you're in that kind of a slump and you just get thrown into a game, you don't have time to think about if you're in the lineup or not. I totally understand how that would make it easier for you to succeed because very clearly a lot of it's mental for him. Uh, and he's not making any adjustments. That's what sucks. He's missing pitches by miles. His body language in the field is weird. He gets strange jumps on balls. Anytime he catches it, it's a snow cone, even though it's right to him. I, I hate Frenchie. He stinks.
3: Well, that was how Devers was at the beginning. Not as bad. I'm not going to compare Devers to to Franchi right now. At least Devers is like, you know, MVP caliber back. He made the adjustments like he was making bad throws to first. He started off slow at the plate and then he kind of figured everything out all at once. And Franchi just he just isn't going to figure it out.
2: It's not going to. He looks like a guy and there there are people that slump that figure it out. He looks like a guy that is just not going to work. I don't. I think this is a hell of a move by Dayton Moore in Kansas city getting, and obviously we don't know who the players to I be named, mean, you know, everyone loves bringing that up, but
1: they could be crap too. So I mean, one for fi- one for 52 is monumental. That is a slump I've never even heard of.
2: <laughs> like I could do that right now. I can do
0: that I'm right. telling you.
2: I'm yeah, telling it's, you. It's unbelievable. A lot of times people are like, oh, I could do that. We could all do that. <laughs> yes. and it's, if, it's, we, it, if we if right. we bunted every time, we're getting right. like... All- <laughs> exactly. we I could run into
0: a hit once. It's, it's almost like they try to sell so, try to sell to us that he was going to be like an Adam Dunn type guy. Yeah. And it's just like, bro, like... <laughs> Adam Dunn, at least like I said, was going to hit 40 home runs uh-huh. and hit it to the river, hit it or oh, it's not Riverfront Stadium anymore. I'm just uh, get, getting old saying Riverfront Stadium, but <laughs> whatever it's called over yeah. there in Cincinnati now. Great American uh, Ballpark. Yeah. yeah right. there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Three River yeah. Whatever it's called. But yeah, so yeah, man, it's like even if he was that just half the time, but it's like he, he's not, man. So, I mean, like I said, Benny wasn't better by the time he left here. Like I know we still hold on to 2018 and we hold on to the catch that he made in Tampa Bay his rookie year. Like I, I get it, right? You know, hold on to the catch that he made and he Houston but it's just like yo like I mean you it, it was the right move but that just wasn't the right guy to bring back in return for him that was the problem and
2: we we all knew that without even looking at him it was it's ridiculous the, the tough part is that a lot of people love like saying oh it's not fair to compare Franchi and Benny yes it is yeah, how right. is it not right. you traded a left fielder for a left fielder what are we what else are we gonna do like I understand yeah. that there's the again the players to be named later I get it I understand all of that and we still don't know, you know, what the full return is going to be. But it's May and the only guys playing are the left fielder you traded and the left fielder you got. Of course we're going to compare their stats. Like right. what that would be stupid not to. So And
3: and usually the players to be named later are like three guys doing a podcast and and they just happen <laughs> to like run them into Kansas City and throw them in a uniform somewhere in the minor leagues. Yeah, Are you upset anymore about the Mookie Betts trade, speaking of trades?
2: Uh, yeah, there's always going to be pain there. I think in terms of Section 10, Coley will find a way to bring it up every podcast. <laughs> there's, and even when, when we're not talking about it at all, we could be talking about like a hot uh, Fenway Franks or like the, the best food at Fenway's, like they right. really traded Mookie, didn't they? I'm like, Coley. <laughs> Damn it! Because you know, at a certain point, and we had Haimon, and he was really good. I think he gave us a lot of great answers. He was accountable. We got to talk to him like off the record, which is always a dandy. And he was really—he's like, we had we had to make the move. Like in his eyes, they had to make the move. And I love when people rip him as if he didn't know that he was going to get ripped for that. Like everyone's like, "What?" I know it's maybe not fully his call, but like, what a move to trade—you know—a style like Mookie Betts. It's like he knew. Everything. He knows more than obviously more than we know about the behind the scenes stuff. And so yet we love acting like we know they should have done this, that, the other thing. Like Heim came into this situation. I don't want to say his hand was forced because technically everything is his decision. But the trade is what it is. It's something that I'm always going to try to have to defend (laughs) just because I like the boss, the Red Sox. But like it's. It does suck every time I'm up at whatever it is, midnight, and Mookie goes deep again. Granted, right now it doesn't hurt his back because he's sitting, what, 260? Yeah. And the Dodgers are slumping. But come this summer, when he has another three homer game and a couple steals and he robs a homer, it'll sting
1: forever. Mookie is Mookie, and he always goes on those hot streaks. He did it in it's Boston. Just too. Yeah, he did it it's in Boston too.
3: Steve, isn't it the best, though, now that we're past 2020 and you can lay in bed at 1130 at night and you can throw on the MLB Network regional coverage and you can watch all these West Coast teams again? It's It's kind of, I I actually probably watch more West Coast baseball than I watch Red Sox baseball at this point.
2: Absolutely. I'm telling you, I'm paying more attention to MLB Network this year than I ever have. Like, I want to be more educated on all the teams. We spend so much time with the AL East that, like, you forget that there's 25 other teams outside of the least. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously the American League, you know, you keep an eye on who's competing with the Sox for a potential wild card spot, even though that was my childhood. How funny is it, by the way, that this wild card game has been around for eight years and the Red Sox haven't played in it. That's kind of insane. I mean, I keep saying they're due to be in the game, but like I don't want them to be in the game. So hopefully it doesn't happen. But even though this year you could argue that it might. But yeah, I just think it's great to have You know, fans back at the park, it's great to have 25% at Fenway. Allegedly, it's going to be 100% by August 1st. We'll see if that actually happens. But it's been nice to be at Fenway. But in all honesty, it has felt very awkward. Like I've only been there so far, you know, when it's 12% capacity, and it's a heckler's, you know, dream. Because they get all their stupid trash that they're like, if you're going to be a heckler, at least like go into it with a plan. That's my issue. A lot of times guys will start yelling and they realize, oh, I really do have everyone's attention. I have no idea what I'm going to say right now. So they just like ramble off some nonsense and then just shut up. But yeah, it's been interesting at Fenway, to say the least.
3: The first one's good. But yeah, that, that atmosphere, it's kind of I equate it to uh, a rain delay. And then everybody leaves and they start back up at 1030 at night. And that, you know, the guys that are drunk and have nowhere to go stay in the ballpark and, and watch the last three innings.
2: Yeah, all of April was rain delay with the drunk guys. That's what it
1: was. Yeah.
3: I think we should start a new podcast and call it Rain Delay with the Drunk Guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. the drunk say, <laughs> that sounds like my kind of game, right? Yeah, here.
3: it's your yeah, it's your kind of podcast. You're you're about to be. That actually has some Bobby. sizzle to look. it. I
2: would I would listen to Rain Delay with the Drunk
3: Guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, done, guys. We're we're changing the name again. We're gonna get Steve all paying attention. Hey, t- so uh, Steve, I can't go through that again. You can't go through a name change again. Yeah, we it was we've too been long with the first air. time. We're on the air for nine months and we've changed our name already, but that's another story for another time. So, so Steve looking at the MLB draft, speaking of pitchers uh, right now, the MLB draft, which is coming up, it is in June this year again, right? I believe
2: it's a month away. Yeah.
3: So we're looking at two very good pitchers out of Vanderbilt, which is pretty typical for, for Vanderbilt. They always get those really good arms in Jack Leiter, Al Leiter's son, and then Kamar Rocker. And then the, the top four picks in the draft which the Red Sox sit at four. Jordan Lawler is projected to go one to the Pirates. Uh, Marcelo Mayer, shortstop out of Eastlake High School in California, is projected to go three to the Tigers. Lighter, two to the Rangers. And then the Red Sox are projected to get Kamar Rocker at number four. And granted, when when we talk about the MLB draft, it's nothing like any of the other drafts, right? The the closest one you could equate it to is the NHL because guys kind of sit down in Providence for a little while. But in terms of this, I mean – If you bring in a guy like Rocker, does that change your minor league system that much for the Boston Red Sox, at least in terms of pitching?
2: I mean, it should. I I think there's times where we forget when these drafts happen and we get all hyped about the guy that it takes a while for them to get up here. Like we had Tristan Cassis on section 10 in 2018 and I remember he had just been drafted the day before. We thought we were getting punked because he immediately was, like, just, like, the cockiest dude on the planet. He was, like, I can't wait to go to Yankee Stadium and shut everybody up. I was, like, what the hell? The kid's, like, 17 or 18 years old. I'm, like, pump the brakes, Chief. Like, this is a little – we literally had to, like, double check to make sure we weren't getting, like, pranked on the show. So, I I mean, there's been a lot of Kumar Rocker talk. Obviously, Jack later. That was – Those two names made last year worth it, Uh, I guess. I mean, it still wasn't worth it because watching all those games was a pain in the ass. I don't love that everybody has the Red Sox getting Kumar Rocker. I would like if some of them had him at three, some had him at five. It's like just to mix it up a little bit because I feel like anytime everybody projects you to get somebody, as long as you're not the one pick. I mean, the Jaguars is a whole different story with Lawrence. But like (laughs) as long as you're not the obvious number one, I don't love when all the projections say you're going to get the guy. So hopefully some people start saying the Red Sox won't get Kumar Rocker because I've actually watched a lot of his starts. Very dominant pitcher has the presence that seems like he could actually fit in to a major league roster sooner rather than later. So ideally they do draft him. But again, I I want some more of the mock drafts to not have him going to the Red Sox. We'll see if that happens.
1: Plus he has the best name possible for Boston. Kumar Kumar, Rocker. Kumar Kumar Rocker
2: guy. (laughs) Come
1: on. Fucking Kumar. Kumar Rocker's on the hill tonight.
2: It's yeah, like a new that, it's a new NOMA. Yeah, Kumar yeah, I,
0: I, I, need, I need that just for that. Like he, he could go, he could be like John Burkett for like oh three, and I'd be okay with it. He could go 12 but nine, but because he's on the team, like Kumar is on the mind. I'm, I'm here for it, you know. And
2: he I can see the shirts right now. I have not heard the name John Burkett in a long
3: time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Guy was I liked him though. He I yeah, thought he yeah. was for what he was. I thought he was good for what you expect of John Burkett. Right, yeah. I never knew if it was Burkett or Burkett. I was just, I don't know. I took a guess.
3: It, it,
0: it depends on what Joe Buck wanted to
2: say that night.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on in Boston too. You know, we just pronounce wrongs and get names yeah, all the time. Anyway. It's like
2: intentionally, it's like, whatever. You got to earn us pronouncing your name right, please. Is
3: that the worst part about sports being back in Boston is hearing all the terrible pronunciations of names on the uh, two sports <laughs> radio stations here in Boston? It's,
2: it's tough. It's tough. I'm glad I'm on EEI now so because I don't think I messed the names up. But one thing I realized, which I'm very upset no one told me, I've been saying Eovaldi for like three years now, and no one said a damn thing until Rob was like, you know what? it's Evaldi it's not Evaldi I'm like dude I've been doing shows with you for three years like I've been doing you know section 10 since 2015 no one mentioned this why is no one saying this <laughs> like I felt like I had something in my teeth for three years and no one said anything like maybe God.
3: everybody thought that you were saying it right and they were starting to question the way they were
1: saying it
2: well that's a good point because I think TC says Evaldi I think sure. he does yeah,
1: no. yeah. TC's allowed to do that, though. He's one of those guys where, like, no one's ever going to correct him. Are you Tom. saying Karen's Steve's pe- not? No, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, what are you at. saying? How? Huh? What it's are not, you not, saying? Bob, not what you I got, I him got him
3: on the show the first time? Gonna
2: <laughs> no, TC's an OG. TC's an OG. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like Tommy Heinsohn, bro. He can say whatever he wants. When we had TC on Section 10, I, I felt like. Okay, we we got like we needed him on the show. We got him on the show. We got to do it actually in Section 10, which is really cool. TC is the best. He also understands like how to evolve. I more people in this field, especially some of these reporters, holy hell, need to realize that they can't just keep doing the same like, all right, question, answer to Cora, type up my thing and I'm done. You have to engage with the people that that pay attention to your stuff. And TC does a great job of that.
3: Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. So speaking of TC being an OG, how the game has changed in the last 20 years, because we talk about all these new stats, these new metrics, the war has been around for a long time. But now we're talking about launch angle and and velocity and all this other crap, I guess. How much has the game changed in 20 years since the Red Sox won their first World Series in 86 years? And what do you think... I know obviously the five of us watch the game. We love it. But what can be done to the game to make it better and bring in these younger fans that are behind us and really don't pay attention?
2: I was so ready to be a smart ass and be like, war has been around for a while. Let me tell
3: you. <laughs> That's why I threw it in because I kind of saw you get the side eye. Like, what? what is this guy I don't know why about? my
2: brain processed that. It's like, we've been at wars for like so long. But no, I I love I love war. Initially, here's the thing. With a lot of these stats, initially you're like, who's this guy that just walked in? Who is this guy? Who let this guy in? I don't know who this guy is in my bar. And then once you realize what the stat really means, how significant it is, how accurate it is at depicting the best players in the game, then you're okay with it. So war can stay. I love going by OPS if we're trying to talk offensive guys. But overall, I mean, I don't like getting too much into the, you know, I call it the four-port Zorp. Like I feel like when we go too far down the road, of like his, you know, OACA percentage fielding, hitting percent. It's like, we're doing too much. Also, I just don't know all these stats. Like, that's another thing. I don't want to get shown up by a little Billy that's like 13. And he's like, have you looked at his like FP, FP, FP? I'm like, I haven't, Billy. And you're showing me (laughs) up. And I don't like that you're doing that. Because with Xander, I got in all these arguments about Xander Bogarts over the weekend. Sometimes it's like, am I going to go with the trolls this weekend? It's like, all right, let's actually do this. And everybody that goes at Xander's fielding, I think, takes it a little too far. And then sure enough, he's looked terrible in the field the last three games. I'm like, you could not have picked the worst time <laughs> to decide to be awful. That play, that triple was not a triple. Let's be honest. That Mullins,
3: that should have been. I was going to bring that up. I, I watched that after I listened to section 10 this week. And I was like, all right, I got to see what this is but because I didn't see the play. I think I agree with you. I think it's an error. That has to be. I mean, that yeah.
2: ball's in his glove. Also, the the scores are getting so soft. Literally anything that will benefit the home team, they are giving to him. Last night, Michael Chavis, has, he hits it right back to the pitcher, bobbles the ball, boots it all over the place. And it was a single. And I'm like, what is an error anymore if we're going to call that a single? This is a side rant. But yeah, the stats, I if they're simple enough, then I'm down. If you have to like have eight letters to sum up what it means. And they all have a different word. I can't do that. I think if we're talking about the style of game, it's changed a lot since 04, since we've you know grown up watching the Red Sox and you know, 03, 04, are the teams I really think of in terms of like dominated my childhood and, and the reason why, you know, we couldn't sleep. But I I just <laughs> right. think the games, the game is different now. And I think there is a line with the whole, let the kids play. Like I look at it as let the kids play to a certain degree. Once we're doing what Amir Garrett was doing a couple of weeks ago to Anthony Rizzo, who's a teddy bear, like barking at him and flexing and Rizzo yeah. didn't do a damn thing. It's like, what do you relax, dude? That's where I draw the line. I think Marcus Stroman's done some things over the years that I just can't stand because he's like, what the guys do bat flips. It's like, that doesn't mean you can curse out the dugout. Like that's, yeah. uh, those aren't level Trevor. Bauer, don't get me started on Bauer. He's such a, He's such a goof, man. I I know he leans into it, but... So there are certain guys that I think take it a little too far. But for the most part, I mean, it's just a sexy game. Tati, Sakuna, Soto. Trout isn't as sexy, but every night he's going to hit a homer, basically. And Xander Bogarts, I think, deserves a little more credit in terms of the swagger game, too. So I do like where we're at right now, but I say let the kids play with a little asterisk on the back, like they can't do literally anything you want to do. You got to, yeah, there's gotta be
3: rules. I, I mean, this, yeah. this, you know what Castellanos did at the first week of the season. I even thought that was fine. I, I thought that was a little bit of, because well, he trip. got
2: thrown at. So it's, right, I, I don't have a problem with it. Right. If, if you're going to throw at him, but like I so the funny thing is, and this normally is what happens is you see the, You see the last thing, you don't see the first thing. So I thought he was just doing that out of nowhere. I'm like, relax, dude. That was a little bit, that was a little bit much. He
1: scores and he's like, that's right, buddy.
2: That's right. It's like, bro,
1: it's the the fifth inning. (laughs) I know. You're
2: you're in Cincinnati. Like, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But, but no, once I saw they were plunking him, it's like, oh, yeah, that's fair game. That's fair game. If you're going to, if you're going to throw at me, then I'm going to, I'm going to flex on you a little bit. That's fine.
1: Real quick on X. So beginning of the season, me, Ray, Craig, and Joe, all, Went absolute apeshit when we saw these shortstop top 10 rankings everyone was ranking and almost every single one of them left xander out or had him like eight nine ten like he wasn't in that top five upper echelon his shortstops that's like we're not crazy for thinking that's absolute fucking blasphemy right Oh, it's insane. Yeah, no, it's
2: insane. But he's doing what he can to prove he deserves to be in the discussion. And this a lot of times, this is the year around late 20s, is when you really cement like, am I gonna be a guy that had a handful of good seasons and then maybe tails off? Or am I gonna be one of the best at this position that you've seen this century? And I think Xander's at that point right now where I expect he's going to go towards the ladder there. I expect that he's going to be at the end of the day the best shortstop in Red Sox history. And I'm, you know, the biggest Nomar fan of all time. But obviously it's tough when Nomar was here for six years. So Xander's not necessarily going to get all the attention. Tatis is going to get even Trevor's story for some reason with how bad the Rockies are. I still hear Trevor's story more than I hear Xander Bogarts. And it's like, you can't tell me Trevor's story has more swagger than Xander Bogarts. Like I, that, so that's where that argument gets a little weird where it's like, well, Tatis gets the attention because he bad flips Trevor's story. He's good. He's really good. But you can't tell me Trevor's story is like
1: a flashy... Player
3: because yeah,
1: he's it, not. So his name is Trevor Story, and his name is Xander Bogart. It's like it's just <laughs> in the name, name. Like, come well, on, Trevor,
3: Trevor Story was put on the map by Nolan Arenado and DJ LeMayhew. Like, when those yeah, guys yeah. were there and he was coming up, like those are the guys that put him on the map. Yeah. So, right of course, then he grows up around that and he's a very good shortstop. You're absolutely right. But when you talk about swagger, I mean, there's no, yeah, it, I'm with Bobby. Xander Bogart sounds much sexier than Trevor Story. Oh,
2: and it's not even close. Also, Xander's probably the best looking dude on the team if we want to go down that route. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, also, he, he, I think he can finally be the face of the team. And yeah. with last year is such a, you're not going to have a face of a team when you're the fourth, first team <laughs> of baseball. So you don't count that, but If you look at it from an overall standpoint, he grew up under like David Ortiz's wing. Like he, he helped him out. And then Xander was a guy that helped out Mookie Betts. And then helped now is helping out Rafael Devers in terms of feeling comfortable. Xander's finally the guy in the face of the Red Sox. And by default, if you're the face of the Red Sox, I mean, look over the years, you're going to get national attention. There's no way you can be the face of this team and not be on the cover of video games and, and have your name mentioned with some of the best in the game. So I think, we talk a lot. It's funny because like we say we don't talk about Xander Bogarts a lot, but then in doing that, we're talking about Xander Bogart. So it's a little bit of like a catch 22 or whatever the hell. But I think he will finally get more national attention this year. But defensive, I'm telling you, I, I defended him defensively <laughs> and then he's booting everything. So maybe just like clean that up a little bit. Right, so no, that
0: that makes perfect sense. But between him and JD, though, like it's, it's I'm I'm a JD Martinez guy. Like yeah. you know they, these guys know. Like before the show, I was like, like how are we not? We have to talk about JD. So is, is he the MVP? Because I'm like this dude is absolutely raking. He's 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 in pure 2018 form right now. Even though 2018, I felt like he was kind of slow, and then by June he went on a, on a rampage. But like it, in your mind, like is it Xander or JD who's the MVP uh, of the team right now, or maybe of baseball?
2: Yeah, we talk a lot on Section 10 about how defense doesn't matter. We just do that to benefit our own arguments because then it makes Xander look better. It makes some of these other guys look a lot better. So I think personally, Xander Bogarts is the MVP of the team because of everything that he means on both ends. As he's the unofficial captain, he's going to be here more likely than not for the majority of his career. I think he's the guy and production wise. He has, I don't know if he still has the most hits in baseball. He probably doesn't cause he's been tailing off JD probably has more now. So I would go with Xander, but I think it's very tight. I think you have a fair case for JD. I mean, he's been, we, that was the biggest thing we talked about. If JD Martinez had a slow start, everyone would have destroyed his ass. He would have been roasted for all the, Oh, you didn't have, you know, the iPad and you didn't know when the season was going to start. He right. had every excuse in the book. And to his credit, those excuses can actually count if you go out and have an MVP caliber season, which he has. So I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I would lead Xander a little bit. But lately, J.D. hasn't had a slump. See, that's the thing. Xander's in a current yeah. mini slump right now. J.D.'s been hot the whole season. So yeah, that's probably your best case there.
0: Right. And that, that's but that, that's my thing. See, and I think about this this is the same thing with Ortiz and Ramirez, right? Because we would always go back and like, Who's better, like Big Poppy or Manny? See, with me, the reason why I go J.D. now, see, they're walking J.D. to get to Xander. Like yeah. so, my thing yeah. is, you're, you're. That means you're the guy. You're. You're the guy. If they're walking, you say, "Hey, I got to put you on base because you might hit one into right center, or you might hit one. You know, you might hit one over the monster, or, or you know, off of whoever." So to me, that's why I put JD just slightly above Xander right now. Like the, the perfect example, I think about it might have been last week when they. I can't believe they lost three out of four to, uh, to that Texas Rangers team. That's terrible. Um, you know, Ian, <laughs> Ian, Ian Kennedy was looking like fucking Nolan, Nolan, Nolan Ryan out there. It, it was a joke. <laughs> but uh, I felt like okay, they they walked them. They walked JD, and then they had Xander with the bases loaded, and then I was like, okay, Xander's gonna he's he's gonna he's gonna come through. He's gonna break through. And after he he like grounded out to like the third baseman, it was just like oh, I was like no. Like I feel like in other years he, he might have gotten that hit, but like you said, he's, he's in that slump right now. So hopefully he comes out of it. But right now, to me, I, I just put I put JD just. just it's like maybe it's just right here because once yeah. you're walking that guy to get to Xander. That means that he, he's, he's the guy that everyone fears right now.
2: Yeah. It's also tough to, you can't really walk Xander either. Cause then you have to face Devers. So like that's, I mean, we had a lengthy convo about is the core of this lineup. If you go two through five, is this like the best the Red Sox have had in a a long time? And I mean, there's other ones right up there with it. Like 07, 08 comes to mind. Both of those lineups were filthy. 03 had probably the best overall lineup the Red Sox have had all century. But either way, you can't go wrong between uh, Xander and JD. And I just want to, again, it's I'm upset just because like, I was like, okay, this weekend I'm gonna I'm gonna rip everybody on Twitter that's ripping Xander. And then now he's on the biggest slump of, of the season. And so naturally you're getting tagged left and right. Did you see this play? Did you see it? I saw the play? I watched all the games. I saw the play. In,
3: in your defense, it's the same thing with Franchi, right? Like he goes three yeah. for five one day. Like guys are expected to go into slumps. I mean, we saw it all the time. You talk about that lineup from 03. Like we 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 remember those lineups from 03, 04 and Kevin Millar. Kevin Millar Millar was one of the streakiest hitters uh, yeah. of that time for Boston and he would have one for 20s, one for 25s. I remember he went 0 for like 22 at one point and down the stretch and it was like all right, well, wow, he sucks and then he turned it around. So it's the same hey, I'll defend you on that Bogart's take all, all day.
2: Yeah, it's we'll see. I mean the from now until I always think I was talking with my dad about this. Like when can you actually take a team seriously for the long haul? Like when can you think they're actually going to make a legitimate run at a playoff spot and beyond? I say July 1st. I feel like that's when you have a good feel. He was saying August 1st, August 1st is like kind of a no brainer to me. Cause it's post deadline, only have two months left that's when you really really know in 2018 that's probably when we knew they had a damn good shot of winning the world series i'd say before that but once they sweep the yankees in the four gamer it's like okay i mean this is obviously the best team in baseball so we'll see xander's gonna have to heat up a little bit now that he's cooled off jd's gonna have to stay hot which is asking a lot of him i know it's nice that he can just focus on hitting core is trying to not use him in the field which is good because he's one of the funkiest fielders i've ever seen in my life but Just keep him at the plate. Just keep him as the DH. You have that luxury. Just lean into that. So hopefully, you know, hopefully the lineup stays hot. Well, specifically, hopefully the bottom of the lineup can actually pick it up a little bit. Renfro's done his part. Marwin a little bit. Bobby's gotten a good amount of time off here. I don't know if that's just to reset him. But yeah, Franchi's going to suck. We know that. The the one guarantee... Branch is terrible. We can all agree on that.
0: Right. I, I, I think I, I might, I might have to agree with your dad. I, 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 dad. Dad might be, he might be scarred from 2011. Cause remember yeah. that, that, that 2011 team from June to August or really from May to August. September. That that, yeah. So yeah. September, that was the best team in baseball. They was smacking yep. everybody. And I was running around with a, you know, with a, you know, Adrian Gonzalez for MVP. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Shirley, it was there like was always something three. off about yeah, this, this, that this team, though. Straight, yeah, they know?
1: were amazing, but like there was always those weird, like you know what I mean. There's was those. Lock- I mean, we say that now, it was, yeah, for, it's, it's like it's the, the highlight.
0: Like yeah, we Celtics. say that now, man. Know, <laughs> that team was, that team anyway. was
2: special.
3: I, I, there was more off about that 2012 team, but really
2: <laughs> everything was off about the 2012. <laughs> <team>.
3: Speaking <laughs> of that 2012 team, did they, did everybody else see that Bobby Valentine is running for mayor of Stamford, Connecticut?
2: I hope he gets it. The inventor of the rap. I hope he gets (laughs) Connecticut mayor. We'll uh,
3: yeah, right. We'll, we'll see if he, he can he can get elected down there in Stanford. I know some people from the area that will not be voting for him. But, hey, so, Steve, I, I don't know if you, you know, but that kid you were talking about, the 13-year-old that was throwing all the stats at you, this hypothetical kid, he was actually that four-year-old that you ran over at Yankee <laughs> Stadium. It was the so same guy. I knew it. He was just
2: you back. He <sighs> somehow grew up nine years and three years. I knew he was going to do it. He told me he was going to do it when he was on the ground looking at me. I still have – I'm not kidding, like – because I picked it. It's one of these like pick this door or pick that door. Like what's behind this door. I picked the wrong door. It was a swarm of Yankee fans coming down and this dad's holding on to his four year old. And I just plummeted right into him. I just plowed him. And everyone's looking at me like I'm some devil. I'm like, I'm not trying to hit a four year old. Obviously, I'm not trying to kick this kid. He couldn't have been any taller than like three feet. I'm like, I couldn't see him. But no, I ran out of there as, as fast as I could. And I was like, all right, at that point, I kind of thought, like, is this just not going to work? But I was like, no, this is who knows when else I'm going to see the Red Sox knock the Yankees out of the playoffs. Like, I mean, there was the longest gap in the world, right? You had from 4 to 18, they hadn't played in the playoffs. So you never know when it's going to happen again.
3: But I let's be honest. Say, Hopefully it happens this your year. Your Boston accent,
1: biggest. man, is, always. is on point. You, you've had a lot of practice with that over the years. I can tell. I
3: can He's tell one. you've had a lot of practice. He's from the North Shore, even though he doesn't have one naturally.
2: <laughs> yeah, naturally, it's always in there. <laughs> It's got to be if it's not in there, then you're lying if you're around these people long enough, if you're around this area long enough. So, yeah, it's definitely got to be a part of the repertoire for sure.
0: All right. So I, I had one final question um, for, for you, Steve. So, yeah, um, we, we had Dan Shaughnessy on the show a while back and I asked him the same question. So got to ask all the baseball guys. This. So if you could come up with a with an all time Red Sox starting nine, who would you have on it?
2: An all time Red Sox starting nine on the spot. I like this. Pitching is obviously Pedro. I gotta have first base my guy Mo Vaughn. Second base Pedroya, Short would be Nomar. Let's see. Third, I gotta get somebody on this team. I'm gonna put Devers on there. If I'm just like avoiding this team, that's a bad idea. Left field Manny. Center field. Center field's actually a head scratcher. By the way, I always go with guys I've seen. So, like, Ted Williams, yeah. well, he's he's in right, but, like, I'm going with guys I watch because I'm not going to be like, oh, Bobby Dorr, Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm sure he had, because, like, we did a draft during the quarantine of, like, all-time Red Sox. My dad was like, oh, Steven, you're forgetting all these guys. I'm like, dad, they played in the 50s. I, didn't, I don't know. I, I don't even know if they had footage. But center, right. I'll go. Ah, center. That's the only one I'm stumbling on because I would have, I'd have Veritek a catcher. And manager would be Francona, And then Wendell Kim's my third base coach, by the way. Wendell Kim.
1: Wendell Kim was the best. Wave wave him home. RIP Wendell Kim. Wave him home. Wave him home. Wave him Wendell.
2: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Way back Walsden in the bullpen. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I love it. Let's go. But no, center field. I'll just mess around and put Darren Lewis in center field. Darren Darren Lewis. I love it. Darren Lewis was my guy. Yeah, we always call them hit it to the wrong guy. Darren Lewis caught the ball every time. I don't remember him seeing him make an error ever. Realistically, I'd have Jacoby out there. It's so funny how Red Sox fans treat Jacoby. It's like, isn't this the perfect world where he gave you his best years and did nothing for the Yankees? Yankees? But like we look at him, it's like, oh, God, what what a bum. He signed with the Yankees. It's like, no, he made them waste endless money on a guy that did nothing for them. That's a good thing. That's like Coco love. But anyway, I love Jacoby.
0: what, 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 What about right field? Right field.
2: A uh, Teddy ball game.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, again, if this was guys I watched right field would be, uh, what well, would have to be Mookie, right? right. If it's guys, if it got guys that I watched then it would have to be Mookie bets, but yeah, center field is kind of want to mess around a little bit. I would, it was either. Yeah. Jacoby Coco. I, I can't do Jackie. Cause he couldn't hit for shit. And then, see, I mean, his, Damon's his
0: defense is en- to his defense for me all is time, all enough. time. It's en- oh, yeah. It's enough for me. I'm sorry. Like that play. Oh, is- it's the best center
2: fielder glove that we've seen.
0: On the right, yes. oh, yeah, h- h- hands down, and I, I know yeah. there's people from another area that may say Freddie Lynn, I, I get it, yeah. or Dwight Evans. Once again, I get it because those-, those guys that that was one of the best outfields. We've been very blessed in the city to oh, have great time. outfields from each from each decade, honestly,
2: all time so, outfielders, yeah. yeah,
0: you know. So it's just like that's one thing we've been very blessed in the city, but I'm like, you know, I think I, I want to say he picked Dwight Evans. I'm talking about, I, I want to say Dan picked it, which I-, I get, but yeah, I mean, M- Mookie has to be on a list. Like, I'm sorry, I think he had left Manny off there, but he was talking about like the steroid thing, but I'm like, look. Man,
2: you can't tell me Manny Ramirez isn't one of the best hitters <laughs> of all time. Manny is, the, and, I,
0: and I, I know we talked about pull holes recently, well, off off the air, But I, I said Manny's the best right-handed hitters I've ever seen. I'm sorry, like I'm, and I'm, maybe I'm biased because he was here for eight years, and I was crying like a little kid even at 17 when he got <laughs> traded to the Dodgers in 2008 and went on yeah. a hell of a run to the to the NLCS. Like I was, like I have, but the tears are probably in my Manny shirt in my closet right now.
2: But yeah, dude, Manny, I'm, Manny, I'm, I'm telling though. you, Manny Manny would hurt. Manny would hurt that, that cut deep. Everyone had the 99 jersey. I'm like, he's our guy. He, he high, he high fives he's our good. guy. Right. Was...
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah yes, like, right, right.
2: <laughs> you guys leave the games early. You suck. Like that's all I was <laughs> oh, saying God. to the, to air, but no, I, I miss Manny, man. He was the best. And I remember the best thing that he, like we got to talk to Kurt Schilling a couple times and he would always praise how Manny prepared. His preparation was better than anybody. Kurt Schilling in the bigs for a long time, and he, he saw a lot of really good players. He said Manny prepared better than anybody he had ever seen. And then a story that Manny had mentioned that I thought was so classic Manny. He he said he intentionally, in early in the count, would swing and miss in a pitch to make the pitcher think that he couldn't get to it or that he wasn't going to hit it. So that when he had a two strike count, he would just crush that pitch. And I'm like, I've never, you got to be a next level kind of like hitting savant to like, think like that. But Manny did. I feel like he, he benefited from people thinking he was stupid. He wasn't dumb. Oh, like, oh
0: for sure. For sure. Yeah, He
2: was very smart.
0: Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, the one player that comes to mind or the bat that comes to mind, well, there's two, but the one I think about is the game two Oh seven.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, and we know K-Rod was nasty when he got weak. of his he powers. Yeah. You, yep. know, this is, you know, this is before he kind of fell off in Milwaukee. Like, he was still the guy. And, man, he, he threw that, that team that didn't seem, and, man, he lost it. And I was just like, I was there. doing that at the same time. It was simultaneous. Uh, I was is. like, let's go. Yeah, exactly. I, if, <laughs> if you can see, I'm the guy with the towel. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is.
2: <laughs> I've never... My favorite awesome. games I've ever been to. This one is actually second place. You would think this would have been the. I got grounded for a month for skipping school to go to that game. But Worth the. It. I mean, nothing right. tops the thirteen game two with, with Poppy, we at that, the, the Grand Slam awesome. against. Joaquin oh my Benoit. Oh,
0: yeah. that I mean, was I, awesome. Like I, I fell off my bed. Like yeah. I fell off my bed. I'm sitting at the edge and I'm like, it hits. saying, do you hear Joe? Like how many times? Can it's like how many times can you go to the well? It's like wow, it's it, it, un,
2: unbelievable. It just, It felt too perfect. Like, I've never heard Fenway that loud. Like, it was first it was the Manny one, and then it was that. But it almost was too cute, right? I'm with my buddy Mike, and I'm like, yeah, a Grand Slam ties it. But like, come on, David Ortiz is gonna come up and hit a grand slam first. <laughs> so you' gonna try. I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna go up. It's, I mean, and then you just see, you know, the Tory Hunter die and and the bullpen cop lives. Yeah, on that, but I, I'm not
0: gonna lie though, because I mean, Tory Hunter obviously one of the best outfielders, legend in our generation. Yeah. yeah, for sure, probably definitely should be a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Like, yeah, I, as he's going back, I said, I'm like, fuck, he's going to, he's going I to he had catch it. this. He's going to yeah. catch this, and then, but I'm just like, you know, and then you know, Ortiz had not done that done that well of Benoit in his career at that moment. So. Yeah. I was Okay, like we need a moment. Like this is, as you said, this is our fucking city. This is our time. I know. And Ortiz, he was the guy that got there, and like I said Victorino going we'll close them out later on in that series. But man, that, that was I'm about to go back and watch that this weekend. I'm about to go back,
2: dude. It's, <laughs> it's all time. It <laughs> that was the best during the quarantine. Was watching that run back, the 13 yeah. run, because in the yeah. postseason they hit like less than 200, but they just had timely hit. Napoli solo bomb off of Verlander, like you mentioned, the Victorino mm-hmm. grand slam, the Johnny Gomes home run in St. Louis. So. They, yeah, is,
0: right, right.
2: Is, there were not many big moments, but they had enough to to right. win it all. Exactly. So, yep, is
0: yeah.
3: off price. Yep, yeah. So all that. Well, now that we've relived to, close to twenty years of Red Sox history, we've beaten the crap out of the bullpen of our current Boston Red Sox. Steve, he Steve is the host and producer. Wow, I screwed that exit out. Um, <laughs> not yeah. at all. Not at all. Wow. We're getting. Hang on a second. Let's start that exit out here, Steve. We've got to make that good first impression. I already did yeah. on the intro, right? You nailed well, the intro. Uh, thank you. Yeah. that the, I pride myself on intros and interviews. And, you know, well, I, you so know I don't want end to end. say like not the first right, right. one to.
2: to and he's yeah. like steve Brought's a human i think i don't know yeah,
3: i don't know he, he's, he, he says he's from the north shore i don't yeah, know yeah is he even from the states we don't know it's like, and, and, and he's from inside 128 we don't exist <laughs> yeah anymore. this guy lives in know. portugal or some shit I, uh uh Love the south shore it. i was actually there on uh on sunday south shore well in boston but then i had to drive through quincy and that was hell but anyway Always, uh, yeah. so uh, joining us tonight on mtp is steve perrault he is the host and producer of the section 10 podcast presented by barstool sports with jerry Carabas and, and coley mick and you guys are sponsored by Coors light which we are not but we we're very envious <laughs> yes. of that because yet because we do drink a lot of Coors Light in and around the podcast. So, you know, maybe we'll fish for one, suck one, it suck one it down. Suck it down.
2: I'm telling you, you got to you, you suck one. Yeah, no, it's uh, Coors Light's the best. Coors Light's the best. Also, Gosling's. Gosling's is a great sponsor. They send us a lot of rum. Dark and Stormy is my new favorite drink. Got to confirm.
3: All because of Gosling's.
2: All because of goslings. Without that, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I had ever had one. And I was like, how did I not have one of these before the age of like 28? What am I doing?
3: While you're drinking uh, Dark and Stormies with goslings and uh, also drinking Quartz Lights, do you happen to uh, eat a lot of stop and shop tangerines?
2: I eat five pounds <laughs> of stop and shop tangerines. Someone actually sent the picture. Did you I see that? that? That was awesome. That was awesome. I was so excited because... We used to, that was our wheelhouse in 2018. We would request the photo of someone in a Section 10 shirt. We'd have it the next day. And I'm trying to get back to that because, I mean, it's easier to get back to it because A, the team's really good. Uh, and B, you can go to places again, breaking yeah. news. So that definitely is great. But yeah, the one that will never be topped is 2018 when I was like, I want a guy on the jaws ride at universal with the shark coming out in a section 10 shirt had it the next day. I was Wild. like, that is nuts. You need, you need luck there too. You also need to have been on that ride like 20 times and know exactly where to stand <laughs> on the boat so that you know, you can do get you the think shark. They were already you.
1: there. But that was the best way, wait, wait, yeah. like listening to the pod at the park. Or do you think like they heard it and they're Maybe? like, shit, we got to go to universal. Yeah.
2: If they were there though, would make it even cooler. If it's like, Oh, go right to the jaws, ride, Get the photo, upload it. And then bang. Like that, I think that I would prefer that more, honestly, in the long run.
3: Well, you guys do have a pretty good national following. It's amazing how many Red Sox fans uh, are out there and how many people listen to you. Just looking through the Twitter, your Twitter, through the Section 10 podcast Twitter, it's a pretty wide range of people that, that pay attention to you guys, which is great because you guys do a great job. So, uh, just throwing that out there. Give you a little pat on the back. I no,
1: appreciate it. Pu- no, I pump appreciate
3: the tires here towards the end. Uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. That's it. So uh, Section 10 podcast, you can find it on Apple podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. He's also on WEI every Saturday with Rob Bradford for the live BP show, 4 to 6 p.m. And uh, check out the Bleacher Report app because it's one of my favorite apps. So uh, just to know that Steve is working on it means you're going to get your information. So for The Real BK, Bob Kelly, Ray Sean Buchanan, Craig Delessandro, Steve, where can we find you? on social media and everywhere else. Yeah, just at Steve underscore Peralt.
2: That is uh that is the handle. And you'll see a lot of uh informative tweets, also a lot of ballpark kicks. I've been retweeting that a lot uh lately. Those are I love when people send those pictures in. So yeah, hopefully it looks like the Sox are down four to one. Not great, but hopefully they find a rhythm here and, and win the ALEs. That's right. what we're hoping to do.
3: That's what yeah, they got a two game lead right now. So hopefully they can extend that down the stretch. They're only six ahead of the Orioles. That's not enough.
2: Yeah, that needs to be <laughs> like it was in, in 2018, 60. Right. Yeah, you got to exactly. get that to 60.
3: Well, they're on the Trey Mancini tour now that he's back playing, too, I know. which is a great story, but it's yeah. we got to. I want right. him to
2: crush other teams, not the Red Sox.
3: Right. Exactly. And then lose yeah. to everyone else in the division. And Exactly. Well, Steve, thank you very much for joining us here. I'm missing the point. We appreciate you coming in and talking baseball with us. And everybody go listen to Section 10 podcast, two episodes a week. And uh, follow that Steve and Section 10 on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Steve, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. I got this
1: chair. No, it's just my dad.
3: My name
0: is Prince Daniels Jr.
1: Daniels gets- again.